Welcome to This Dad Reads, a bookish podcast spanning numerous fandoms and genres, all from the perspective of a busy husband and parent. I'm your host, Jason, and on today's episode, I'll be breaking down what the podcast is all about and jumping right into all things Star Wars. Plus, I'll share all about my time at a recent Dark Crystal convention, including my discussion with author of newly published The Nightland Express, J.M. Lee. Hello, friends, and welcome to the first episode ever of the This Dad Reads podcast. It's a little bit surreal sitting here and doing this, if I'm being completely honest. The idea for this podcast sparked only a little over a month ago, and we're already off and running, so it's pretty wild. I want to spend a little bit of time up front introducing myself and sharing what I hope to achieve through the show. So first and foremost, I am a husband and a father. My wife and I have been married for 16 years, and we have an 8-year-old son and a 5-year-old daughter. For the parents out there, I don't need to go into detail on how utterly exhausting and fulfilling being a parent is. They definitely keep us on our toes, and our calendar is always packed with school activities, play dates, birthday parties, you name it. So yeah, basically there's never a dull moment. I have a full-time gig as an operations director for the marketing department at a local private university, and my wife works part-time from home for a photographer friend of ours. I'm in my late 30s now, and quite a few years ago, I read a book called Quitter by John Acuff that really helped me form a healthy relationship, or I like to think it's a healthy relationship, with my income-producing work. So this book basically laid out how very few people get to do what they're passionate about as their full-time paid jobs. And it kind of outlined in a humorous way um, ways that you can kind of engage with the things that you love to do, whether it be a hobby, a side hustle, a passion, things that kind of feed your soul um, while you are still working full-time and how to really view your relationship with your full-time job if you're not doing your passion as your full-time job. Once I became a parent, I definitely struggled a little bit. I kind of lost myself in that world of parenthood. It was a really new thing for my wife and I. Um, And I really felt that some of those things that kind of fed my soul, those passions, those hobbies, they fell by the wayside. And for good reason. I set them aside, you know, for a season as we were raising young children. Um, Well, cut to 2020, and we all know what happened in that year. And in that time, I kind of started toying with the idea of a bookstagram. I didn't really know what bookstagram was, but as I was kind of, you know, engaging with the online book world, I kind of was made aware of what they were. Um, It was more just to kind of log the books I was reading, but I never really fully committed to the idea. But then I stumbled upon NetGalley. And NetGalley, for those of you who might not know what it is, it's a website that allows publishers from all over the world to offer advanced copies of their books to book reviewers. Now, these are ebook versions of books, but free books nonetheless. And so free books to me sounded like a huge win. I was gladly spending my own money and engaging with books, um, you know, happily, but free books sounded awesome to me. So having said that, I jumped in, I wanted to get into NetGalley. And so basically what that meant for me was to, I decided to start a book publishing site and kind of tacking the socials onto that because I wanted to create this space where I could get my thoughts about books out there and show publishers that I was serious about it with the goal of 
working closely, most particular, with Del Rey in the Star Wars books to try to get these books early so I could review them and kind of be ahead of the curve when they come out. So finding NetGalley really did spur me on to commit myself to this hobby and passion for books and kind of the stars aligned, you know, with the pandemic. Um, Obviously, I was still working full time, but my schedule looked really different. So I felt like I finally kind of had the space to commit to something else like this. Plus, my kids were a little bit older um, and it was really something I wanted to do that was just for me. As a parent, sometimes who you are can get a little bit lost in just the chaos of adulthood, A, and parenthood, B. And so I wanted something that was kind of just mine that I could kind of nurture and have something that kind of fed that part of my soul. So I made that decision to write and publish book reviews and join the online world of books, and that was in January 2021. And honestly, it's been a whirlwind ever since. Since then, I've made some great friends. I've established relationships with publishers and authors. And in general, I just really have enjoyed my time being a part of the book community online. Bookish people are truly the best, and I honestly consider myself blessed to have found my place amongst them online. Which brings me to today and this first episode of my podcast. My vision for starting this podcast was really for it to be an extension of This Dad Reads, the site, the socials, and really a place for us to just get to know each other more, to have another point of connection with folks out there who maybe feel like they're in a similar phase of life. Maybe they find themselves really diving into books as an escape or a way to engage with, you know, the worlds of fiction to escape the real world pressures of adulthood, parenthood, what have you. And I really think this podcast can be just another point of connection with people out there who might feel like they don't have anyone else to talk to about these things. I think I hear my cue to jump into my first Star Wars segment ever, so let's blast off and discuss one of my favorite fandoms that takes place in a galaxy far, far away. I have a bit of a surprise as we start talking about Star Wars. I was able to pull some strings, I called in a few favors, and I was able to get my very own astromech operations droid to help me with this segment, but it's not just any droid. So straight from his services on Starlight Beacon, please welcome to the show KC78. KC, it's so great to have you with me. Thank you so much for helping me with my Star Wars segments. Oh, bud, you're you're too kind. Thank you so much. I should be the one thanking you. I am so excited to be able to do this with you. I'm so glad to have a buddy with me. I am so excited. Thank you so much. Yeah, I, I totally understand that. I know you're out of a job right now. I'm just I'm I'm just happy that you're here. So, do you have the data pad all prepped and ready for me? Perfect. Awesome. Thank you so much, Casey. So. I thought, since it's the last month of the year and it's my first Star Wars segment, it would be appropriate to look back at 2022 and talk about some of my favorite things from the Star Wars universe. Now, I can spend an entire episode recapping this entire year, but I've boiled it down to my top four things. So here we go, and these are in no particular order. First up, one of my favorite things this year in Star Wars is Andor on Disney+. Like many others, I was of course looking forward to an all-new live-action Star Wars show, but Andor just truly blew me away with its adult take on Star Wars. The writing, the acting, the production value, it's all just top-notch, and it's honestly probably now one of my favorite Star Wars live-action things ever. 
So if you haven't checked out the show yet, I highly recommend doing so or just rewatch the whole thing over and over until the next season comes out. I could sing its praises all day long. I'm an uber fan of it. It's one of my favorite things ever. Definitely one of the best things that's happened this year in Star Wars. Next up is Galaxy's Edge in Disneyland. We recently took the kids on a trip to Disneyland over the Thanksgiving break, and it was my first time visiting Galaxy's Edge. I know, I know, I'm late to it. You guys, pandemic messed us up. We had plans to go before, it just hasn't worked out, but it was so amazing. Um, We got to go on Smuggler's Run. Um, I got to pull the hyperspace lever. I was the, the right pilot to do so. That was an epic experience. We rode Rise of the Resistance, was which was just mind-blowing. So awesome, so immersive. Um, my kids loved it. My wife loved it. As we were walking around Black Spire Outpost, we did run into Din and Grogu, which was awesome. I had seen some stuff happening on Twitter that that was kind of a new addition of the world. And so just being able to engage with him forcing my kids to take a picture with him. Um, It was epic, you know, and it it took everything for my wife not to grab Grogu and just run away with him and bring him home with us. I love spending some time on Batuu in Black Spire Outpost, and I cannot wait till I get to go back again. Number three on my list are all the amazing Star Wars books that were released this year. I can't have a bookish podcast and not talk about the books we got from the Star Wars universe this year. We got stuff from the High Republic. Obviously, we closed out phase one earlier in the year and started phase two this fall. We got stuff from the Clone Wars era, and we even got something from the sequel trilogy. Among some of my favorites of this year are Brotherhood by Mike Chen, Shadow of the Sith by Adam Christopher, Padawan by Kirsten White, and Path of Deceit by Justina Ireland and Tessa Grattan. Those are just some of the ones that rose to the top and just surprised and delighted me for a variety of reasons. There's so many options out there and more opinions, so I definitely recommend checking out everything that came out this year in the Star Wars publishing world and just diving in, picking a spot and diving in. And last but not least, I want to talk about my time attending Star Wars Celebration in Anaheim this past May. The fact that Celebration was taking place in my state meant that I for sure had to attend. So I'd never been to a celebration before, so I jumped on a one-day ticket when they first went on sale. And what actually ended up happening was the site that I review a lot of books and comics for, TatooineTimes.com. It's awesome. Go check it out. We actually applied for a media pass and it got approved. So I ended up being able to go for all four days on a media pass, got the blessing from my wife to take a solo trip. Um, And when I say that celebration was life-changing, I'm not exaggerating. I got to attend some insane panels which had celebrity guests, surprise announcements, teasers, trailers. It was absolutely insane. It was just mind-blowing. Plus, it was the first time that the High Republic authors and fans could be together since the publishing initiative started. There was a High Republic panel that was standing room only. It was just so thrilling and exciting and just satisfying to be in a room with people who all love the same characters and stories and have felt a connection to the High Republic universe in some way or another and just wanted to share that love with all the authors and creatives who were a part of it. Looks like we're getting an incoming transmission. What's going on, Casey? Oh, that's awesome. I'd love to answer some questions from people on Instagram. Let's get into it. Okay. First up, from Stephlee15. Who is your favorite Star Wars character? 
Oh man, this this is a tough one. Um, I feel like my answer to this question changes depending on what I'm watching or what I'm reading at the moment. Speaking broadly though, I think I'd have to say Yoda. He's a core part of my Star Wars nostalgia and Frank Oz is a legend. He's, he's awesome. Um, and just that character and his impact on the entire universe over the years, he's basically touched every single portion of some of the major storylines. I just think he is one of the best and I have to, I have to go with him. He's my guy. Our next question comes from Terry for Prez. Who is the most underappreciated High Republic character so far? Well, I would say that this one is debatable, as there are already a number of fandoms out there in the High Republic world, people who are shipping people and who love certain characters for certain reasons. But, so I'd have to say that there really aren't any underappreciated characters in the High Republic. But if I had to choose, I would say Court from the High Republic Adventures. Court has only really existed in the comic book format so far, and I feel like that's kind of one aspect of the High Republic that and this is me speaking broadly, don't come for me, I, I'm just speaking in general terms, I feel like a lot of people who maybe are engaging with the High Republic are not touching some of the stuff happening in, happening in comics, which is totally okay. So, And especially in the High Republic Adventures, it's an all-ages series, so I think a lot of people kind of think like, oh, that's for maybe that's not for me. Um, but being someone who read everything in the High Republic, the High Republic Adventures is one of my favorite things of the entire initiative so far. And Court's arc and Court's kind of character journey and the way that he interacted with the rest of the younglings in that series was so heartwarming and uh, it, it, I just love him. And he kind of had an epic journey towards the end and I cannot wait to revisit and see where he's going to go next in phase three, hopefully. So I would definitely say Court. All right, so we do have time for one last question. This one is from JP Creer. What area of the prequel trilogy do you think should have some expanded universe attention? This is a really good question, and I think when we say expanded universe, I think we just mean more like more canonical published works. So there are a number of published works out there that already exist in this part of the timeline, whether it be from Legends back in the day or in the new canon now, but I'd be most interested in something involving Django and Boba Fett, like a book about what that father quote-unquote son dynamic really looks like like what did it what was Django's mindset going into the creation of a clone that was just his and the emotional impact that can have I guess maybe as a father that's something that I'm interested in exploring and just the fact that Django's not really his father like that's just interesting um so I think yeah a book that starts with how Boba came to be and that relationship that formed before we really see them on screen together for the first time that's all the time I have in this episode for Star Wars Talk. I'm going to take a quick break, but please stick around to hear about my time at a different fandoms convention and an interview with my first author. I'll be right back. Struggling to find the perfect gift for that bookish person in your life this holiday? Then look no further than the This Dad Reads Amazon store, where I've done all the work for you. Browse my 2022 recommendations, where to start in Star Wars, or go ahead and just buy the entirety of the High Republic catalog. There are also a number of book-related items to make anyone's reading experience that much more enjoyable. Visit the store today at amazon.com forward slash shop forward slash this dad reads. That's amazon.com forward slash shop forward slash this dad reads. 
Make someone jeer with a gift from This Dad Reads. Welcome back to the show. Switching fandoms now, we're moving into the world of The Dark Crystal. Now, if you're unaware, The Dark Crystal was a movie made by Jim Henson and Frank Oz way back in 1982. Yes, the Jim Henson and Frank Oz from The Muppets, Sesame Street, and like I said before, Yoda. The Dark Crystal is a dark fantasy film set in the fantastical world of Thra. The plot revolves around Jen and Kira, two Gelfling creatures who are on a quest to restore balance to their world and overthrow the evil ruling Skeksis by restoring a powerful broken crystal. This movie has a huge fan following, and over the years it has expanded into other media like books, comics, and a prequel series that was released by Netflix in 2019. 2022 marks the 40th anniversary of The Dark Crystal, and to celebrate, a convention was held in Hollywood last month called The Great Conjunction, which if you know the movie and the plot, that's a nice play on words, that's a great dad pun in my opinion, which I had the pleasure of attending. One of the main reasons I wanted to attend was that the author of the four young adult novels set in the Dark Crystal universe, J.M. Lee, was going to be there. His books take place during the timeline of the prequel series, and I absolutely love them. Plus, his latest novel, an original book titled The Nightland Express, had just been released. His publisher, Erewhon, had kindly provided me the book to read and review, so this event was the perfect opportunity to meet and chat with him. The Nightland Express is a YA historical fiction slash fantasy novel that follows Jesse and Ben, two teenagers who are eager to get out of their circumstances via the opportunity to take a job with the Pony Express, or so they think. They go on a journey of discovery about themselves and each other and realize that their trip from Missouri to California is filled with more mystery and magic than they expected. J.M. Lee, or Joe, was kind enough to carve out some time to chat with me. So after we got our microphone set up amidst the bustling vendor hall, I just had to know where the impetus for his idea for the Nightland Express came from. Yeah, so um, my my grandparents actually had a Nightland Express poster in their like kitchen for a long time, and so like I was always aware of it, but I didn't really know anything about it. Um, but then uh, as I was sort of like looking into kind of what I wanted to write about after sort of the Dark Crystal books sort of were settled and everything was coming out, I was really interested. I went back to the Dark or the Nightland Express, or well, not the Nightland Express. But that's what it became, the Pony Express poster. Um, and so I just started reading about it and. I, the, you know, like the first thing that you learn about the Pony Express is it's basically teenagers. I mean, not, they weren't all teenagers, but they were young people, like people ages 15 to like 20 was like a very, that was most of the riders. Um, getting on horseback and riding 100 miles a day, delivering the mail. And I was like, what? How is there not a YA book about this, you know? Um, so I started uh, researching it and kind of reading more about it. And I learned kind of like how the Pony Express worked. Um, but then I really started learning more about how the Pony Express, um, sort of uh, what the Pony Express position was um, in terms of like the war, in terms of the westward migration and all of that. And like a lot of times when people talk about Pony Express, they're like, oh, they delivered the mail. Um, but actually the Pony Express was sort of like the last uh, uh, sort of thing that happened, not the last thing that happened, but one of the more important final moments um, of Westward migration before the Civil War. And um, people don't really talk about sort of like what it meant to have 
a an uninterrupted mail line that that kind of connected the east and west, and like what that did for uh, westward migration and um, colonialization, and also sort of like what happened with the entire continent during that time, right before the war. So I became very interested in that, like, 18 months of American history. <laughs> I was, like, totally entrenched in it. Um, and that's kind of just where the story came from, really, was, like, my personal learning about that and sort of what it meant and the impact. Being a fan of YA myself, I was curious what about this genre intrigues Joe as a writer. So for YA, YYA, um, for me, I think that, um, first of all, the idea of, like, being 16 years old and getting on a horse and leaving home and riding out into was essentially to you the unknown is just such an exciting adventure idea that I didn't want. I really love the idea of like when you leave home for the first time and like, what do you do? I have to take care of myself now. I have to like make ends meet for myself. To me, that is like at the core and the heart of a good YA story is like coming of age. I mean, like we, we talk about coming of age in YA all the time, but like it really is the, like I, to me at least, a defining characteristic of like, to me, what makes YA YA. Um, I think a story about like grown adults who are like seasoned getting on horses and riding west would be a different story. And I really wanted to kind of encapsulate that like wonder, but also kind of like the, 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 the fear, like it's very scary, the danger, right, to do that. Um, and then with the characters, it was sort of like how to balance two characters that could play off of each other in really constructive ways and also illustrate sort of like the, um, the world and the story I was trying to build, really. I mean, like growing up as a biracial queer kid in the Midwest, like I, in a lot of ways, I read books to feel like there was like like the, the way that my imagination worked was like like normal I guess in a way and so this book is really in a lot of ways like my love letter to like I think it's in the dedication right it's about the double goods people who kind of have this experience of living in sort of like two different worlds and like where do I belong and I would hope that in reading the book at the very least it's like my message to be like you're not alone like it's okay like there's other people we're out here the Nightland Express has had a long journey to publication, thanks to the COVID-19 pandemic. But Joe shared how the delays the book experienced actually benefited the story in the long run. I mean, so we, we sold the book and did the cover reveal. I think it was in, we sold the book in 2019. I think the cover reveal was 2019, 2020. And then, you know, something happened in 2020 <laughs> that we're all aware about. And um, it was just, you know, it's been a long wait. And I, I thought about the book every day. And I thought, you know, and um, it, it actually, in some ways, I'm glad that there was a delay because um, when you write a book, you know, at a certain point it's done and it goes on the shelf and you're not really allowed to like keep working on it. And so, and the good part, the silver lining is that I was able to sort of um, revise the manuscript with like an updated brain, you know what I mean? So like a couple years of thinking and living in the world as a person and um, we were able to come back at the manuscript and we had the time to be able to make some changes and improvements that I really feel that if the book had come out before that, it would have been a different book and not as good of a book. So um, I'm, I'm glad that it's out. I'm relieved that you can actually buy it. It's like a thing that you can touch and read. Um, but mostly I'm just really glad that the story is finally like, I feel like it's been released. You know what I mean? Like I can now like move on and do something else. Even though Joe's latest novel just came out, I couldn't help but ask what he's working on next. 
I actually started working on a new manuscript when like Nightland started to like kind of uh, roll forward again. And um, so it is a, it's another YA. It's a second world fantasy. Um, I'm not going to say too much about it because it may change, but I'm really excited about it right now. It has the same sort of flavor, I would say, as Nightland. Um, it's kind of a fantasy adventure, um, character driven. But uh, yeah, I'm just going to keep writing. I'm going to follow what I want to write about. And um, that's a really amazing place to be as a writer. So I'll, I'll definitely I'll take it. I'm going to be grateful for it. As our time came to an end, Joe graciously signed all my copies of his Dark Crystal novels, plus two copies of the Nightland Express, one for me and one for one of you. Joe and his publisher, Erewhon, would like to give one lucky winner a signed first edition of the Nightland Express. So visit my Instagram at thisdadreads to get the full details, and good luck. The Nightland Express is on sale now at retailers everywhere. I also wrote a full review over on thisdadreads.com, so check that out as well. Well, that's it for my debut episode of This Dad Reads. I want to say thanks to KC78, my droid pal, for helping me out with the Star Wars segment, to friends who submitted questions on Instagram, and to J.M. Lee for talking to me about his new book, The Nightland Express. Thank you so much for listening. For more of my content, visit my website at thisdadreads.com for full book reviews, interviews, and articles. Follow me on socials at thisdadreads on Twitter and Instagram. This Dad Reads the Podcast is produced by Erebus Industries and me. Special thanks to my editor, Jeremy Tuttle, and Tacoma Media for the use of their song Bounce. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe on your podcast platform of choice and leave me a five-star review. It really helps. Catch you next time. <laughs>